Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, August 5th, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. We have yet another loaded show on tap. You find folks here today. Yet another show with over 90 minutes worth of discussion, debate, review, recap, thoughts on the entire world of wrestling. And as I'll be telling Mr. Marceau here in a few moments, I thought it would be a cry. I, I thought it would be a quiet week. Because SummerSlam's not coming up for another couple of weeks. There was no major AEW pay-per-view this week. No major shows. Just the standard Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Or not SmackDown. We don't really talk about SmackDown too much here on the show because it happens on Fridays. I thought we would just come on on here. No, we would just come here on the show, break down Raw, break down Dynamite from Wednesday, break down NXT from Tuesday, and have that be it. Maybe throw my interview with Roderick Strong. Cheap plug. Check that out if you haven't already over on my YouTube channel and over on DailyDDT.com for the article and for the audio on my YouTube channel, YouTube.com backslash Graham G.S.M. Matthews, um, NXT superstar, leader of the Diamond Mine, great conversation. I thought I would throw that here on the show, talk to Mr. Marcel about a few things, and have that be it. But little did I know that we would have so much to delve into from the last week, including but not limited to Bray Wyatt shocking release from WWE from over the weekend, Ric Flair leaving WWE a few days later, Adam Cole's contract being up very soon, another contract of another NXT superstar being up soon, uh, news that actually broke while we were speaking here on the show, and so much more. And we'll get into all of that momentarily. But before that, i got to let you guys know how you can check out the show every single week. You can check out WrestleRantRadio.com, Wrestle WrestleRant.com. Check out any popular podcast platform for new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. And of course, we do previews and predictions for the pay-per-views. We have that coming up. I am talking to a WWE main roster performer. I actually already talked to them, but the interview is going up on Monday on Bleacher Report, um, an article form and an audio form over on my YouTube channel on um, Monday as well. Monday morning at YouTube.com, as I said before, backslash Graham G.S. and Matthews. And I might attach that here to the show next week. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, if, if this continues where we just talk about you know a lot of other stuff, if the news and all this other stuff keeps happening in the world of wrestling, I won't have any time to attach the interviews here to the show. It's just going to be more discussion and debate and reviews and recaps and thoughts and stuff like that and analysis and whatever else. So uh, we'll see. That might be here on the show next week. I'm not 100% sure. But either way, be sure to tune in every single Thursday, whether it be an interview, a review, discussion, or much, much more here on WrestleRant Radio. It's always a great time with me and Mr. Marceau. So with all that being said, let's get right into it. Mr. Marceau, I was expecting a fairly quiet week and no pay-per-views, nothing to review, or I mean, obviously, aside from the regular shows uh, weekly, but no pay-per-views to review, no pay-per-views to preview. But then here we go in the last seven days, we get 
two releases, a contract coming up, and all these other WWE and AEW news and notes. A lot to break down here on the show today. You gotta be excited, Mr. Marceau. We've discussed a lot of this over text over the last week, but you gotta be excited to be breaking this all down here on the show today. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, it's every week we say, like, oh, hopefully nothing breaks in the next, like, couple hours. But, like, <laughs> feel like last week it was, like, the day or two after all our news came out. And it's just Russell Rant fashion. If if we record, something has to happen big right after we finish. Exactly. No more than 48 hours after we recorded on Thursday of last week. Obviously, the shocking news. we got to delve into this first, even more so than Raw and Dynamite and NXT and everything else coming up and that's gone down this past week. Bray Wyatt, released from WWE due to, reportedly, from Fightful and PW Insider confirmed this, budget cuts, uh, per John Laurinaitis, who's been doing all the cuts. Obviously, it wasn't his idea, uh, most likely, whether it be Nick Khan or Vince McMahon himself, who gets the clearance off of all of these cuts. He obviously has to clear it before it goes through anyone else. So, uh... Yeah, this was very, very surprising to a certain extent. I mean, we haven't seen Bray Wyatt on WWE TV since WrestleMania um, 37 where he lost to Randy Orton, or rather The Fiend did. He popped up on Raw the next night in an episode of the Firefly Funhouse, said he would be back and bigger and better than ever, blah, blah, blah. Haven't heard from him since and gets cut on Saturday due to budget cuts. And this was not a situation, reportedly, where he asked for it. Um, He was... You know, uh, outright release because they just had nothing for him, and I guess they con- they felt his contract was too large to justify continuing to pay him or whatever the case might be. Uh, but Mr. Marceau, as someone who was the absolute biggest Bray Wyatt fan at one point, we've already discussed this before. But your reaction to the news and the thoughts, your thoughts on the release of Bray Wyatt from WWE? Um, it wasn't too shocking, honestly. When I saw it at first, I was kind of like, "What the hell?" Because you texted me, and I was at a family party, so I'm like, "What the hell?" I jump on Twitter and saw it. And then in my head, I'm just like, they never did right by this guy. Um, basically, get gimmick to Alexa Bliss. And at that point, I kind of just was like, clearly she's doing his gimmick at this point. Why would you two people do the same thing? Clearly, they don't think whatever they're paying him is worth what he's giving out. So it seems like that's kind of their new focus right now, especially with like him, Braun Strowman, a couple like bigger guys that, I mean, they really haven't done right by either guy. But um a little surprising, but once I kind of put it all together, they give Alexa basically his gimmick, and she's been doing it on Raw since he's went away, and it is what it is, but they, I just, like, even when he won the title, I just feel like they'd already butchered him so bad at that point that, you know, like, that, the, the, the actual Bray Wyatt character, like, the, uh, whatever, what do, you, what do you even call him, like, the Eater of Worlds? Like, Eater the original Worlds, Bray yeah. Wyatt character, like, the, with the Wyatt family was, like, my, like, my favorite, like, character of his mm-hmm. like i thought that was perfect um i mean there were so many times that you thought he'd win the big one and it just never happened him losing to john cena at wrestlemania 30 it will go like i said that, that will be the <laughs> hill that i will die on that was the dumbest decision of all time because it literally ruined the guy and people will say oh you know like he won at this pay-per-view but at this point if you don't win a wrestlemania no one will ever remember i mean most people don't and he could have it could have pushed him into being a, a top guy and a star and it just never materialized since then like he did win the belt in 2018 i think it was uh, 2017 at elimination chamber yeah so 2017 he won the belt and that horrible match with randy orton at wrestlemania <laughs> we were there holy shit that was bad and then turned into the fiends i i mean it was i think it's a cool character but like it just like never really materialized in the ring he was never the greatest in-ring worker but i feel like the fiend like 
made him even more boring than he was before. Um, I think the character itself, like, was what, what, what he was given was good, but just kind of never really materialized in the ring. And I mean, plenty of people liked him. Plenty of people couldn't stand him. They just thought he was really boring. But for what he was doing, I, I really liked Bray Wyatt, but I just feel like every time it seemed like he was getting some momentum, they kind of just pulled the rug underneath him. And even with The Fiend, like that Rollins match, people will never forget. That was awful. Him mm-hmm. losing to Goldberg was pretty dumb. Um just seemed like any time there was any momentum, they took the rug out from under him. And that's the same way I felt with Braun Strowman. I feel like every time that he had a big match, he just would never win. And then once they gave him a, a win, people just didn't really care. Like with Strowman, like, yeah, he won the Universal title. But like at that point, no one really cared because it literally came out of left field. He was like, no, nah, I'm going to SmackDown yeah. at that really regularly. And they were just like, oh, Roman's out. We'll give you the title. He had that little feud with Wyatt, lost the belt. And then from there, it was nothing. And then... And Wyatt lost the belt in a week to Roman Reigns. Yeah, it was just yeah, those two guys just got done wrong. But this is what it is. Yeah. I can't really complain it's the way it happens. But I think he's creative enough to definitely go on and do something else. Um, but where I don't know. You talk about those two guys specifically. Can we just agree that the Wyatt family overall was the most butchered faction? I don't want to say of all time. I mean, you could probably make that argument if you really think back far enough. But I got to say in recent memory, in the last decade alone, I mean, that was the most mishandled stable probably in the last 10, 15 years of WWE. Would you agree with that? Um, I don't know if I'd say mishandled because I feel like the time that they were all together, they were fine. But once they broke up on their own, I would say yes. Like, Harper had, like, a forgettable Intercontinental title run. Um, Strowman really didn't do anything of great. No, I mean, he won the tag titles a few times. Um, What do you mean? Rowan had that great breakout feud against Big Show. Yeah, that's awful. The the Rowan thing is, Rowan by himself was never going to work. He was strictly a tag team guy. I mean, tried and just wasn't going to work. Harper, I feel like, had a chance. Um, they pushed him, and then they stopped. That was like the whole Wyatt family. Him, I would say Harper, Wyatt, and um, Strowman all kind of had the same kind of build and somewhat stardom and popularity. And then once it mattered most, it would just never win. Rowan just never had a strictly tag team guy. But those other three, I would say Wyatt and Strowman in particular, I feel like they had them built to a point that they should have won the championship or at that level and every time they lost. So when they eventually did give him the title, no one cared because it was so random and it just was to the point that it was like it was like a sympathy fucking title run. Mm-hmm. Especially in Strowman's case. Like he wasn't even on SmackDown and Roman pulled out and they just gave it to him. Yeah, no, that was terrible. I mean, that whole thing. I mean, I was happy that Braun got his moment because had he gotten released without ever winning the world championship, I think that would have been a problem. But his reign lasted a solid four months, but it also came during the worst possible time. I think more so than almost probably anyone else in the WWE roster. He suffered from not having fans in the building because he was someone that really fed off the crowd as a heel and more specifically as a face. Because no matter how badly Braun was booked, and we've discussed this before, the guy was over. I mean, he was always over. And even up until the end, I mean, at WrestleMania, I mean, obviously there were people were going to cheer pretty much anyone at Mania because that was the first show back with fans in almost a year. But he was even over on that show. He had the Shane McMahon feud. And, I mean, had there been fans right now, even up until that Backlash match where he lost in the WWE title match, which I thought was a great match and a great match to end his career on, um, although it wasn't his choice, he was still very much over with a lot of the, uh, you know, that, that general casual audience. I mean, it was hard to care about him, like for me and you, 
due to his booking and whatever. But for whatever reason, people were still into him. So the fact they let him go is shocking. I see him coming back way more, being a, a way likelier option than Bray Wyatt, though. Um, we've heard the reports, I've seen the rumors that Bray, or rather Braun, could be in talks to come back. I know he was booked for a show, not in Saudi Arabia, but somewhere like that. Like, next February, like, John Moxley's on the show, and it was just, I forgot where, maybe it was in India, I don't remember exactly, but it was some overseas show early next year. I don't know if that would roll out a WWE return until then, that's six months away. Um, I'm not sure if he's laying low. I know he had obviously a very high price tag, which we discussed here before a few weeks ago, uh, for like indie dates and stuff like that. But Bray Wyatt, is it safe to say that he's probably not coming back to WWE? And it's not going to be one of those situations like we're with Joe, where they let him go and they realize they fucked up. And then obviously it was Triple H who brought him back and not Vince. Um, I don't see Bray Wyatt going back to WWE. Maybe in 10 years for a Rumble spot, but I feel like anytime soon, I feel like he'd be a fool to resign there in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Braun probably has a better chance of coming back. I just like Bray. I think he could branch on his own, and he's creative enough to kind of figure out something else to kind of go to a different company and do something. Braun, I just feel like he's just like a prototypical WWE guy. I just think it'd be hard for him to kind of go somewhere else and see success. So maybe if they can figure out contractually the right number, he'll come back to WWE. I mean. I feel like, like you said, even with the casual fans, even though he never really won a lot when it mattered, they people still cared about him. So, for him, I think if he can get the number right, he'd be the perfect comeback. Bray, if I was him, I want to come back. Yeah, and no, I just feel like there's a lot more for you know for for Bray to offer in either other places, other companies, or just other avenues in general. Not that Braun doesn't have any value at all. I think he could do a lot of cool stuff outside of WWE. But as far as like wrestling companies and I would assume that he wants to continue to wrestle. Bray, I'm not so sure. We haven't really heard too much from him. Um, with Bray, like I've said before, as other people have said, he can clearly get into acting and stuff like that if he wanted to. He's super creative. Braun, like you said, just screams WWE guy. Bray, for all intents and purposes, were all was also a WWE guy. I mean, he wasn't on the indie scene before WWE. He came up through FCW, NXT, the fucking terrible competition show of NXT, that version of it. Um, even the full sale version, the Wyatt family got their start there, got called up, and it was just a formula. I mean, like you said, if you were to say any other answer than WrestleMania 30 for like where they went wrong with the Wyatt family, you would be wrong, um, because that was really where it all went downhill. And yeah, the Goldberg loss didn't help it. The Hell in the Cell loss to Seth Rollins was really what killed The Fiend before it even had a chance to get started, because that SummerSlam entrance in 2019 was amazing. But like the Orton loss at 33 was incredibly dumb. And the idea, and people always bring this up, oh, but he beat Orton the next month in House of Horrors, or oh, he beat John Cena the next month at Extreme Rules. No one remembers, and no one gives a fuck. If you don't win at WrestleMania, for the most part, then no one will remember. Somehow, someway, Sasha Banks has, has found a way to not that let not let that define her career because she is also like 0 and 6 at WrestleMania. Bray never won a single fucking match, and obviously Sasha is just way more of a uh, commodity for that company than Bray Wyatt ever was just for a variety of reasons. But he was a guy that you really had to tread lightly with as far as the character stuff is concerned, and they just fucked it up every time. Because it's not like... We gotta be honest here. Like It's not like he was this amazing in the ring where he could kind of withstand the bad booking. Like, Brian had some periods... Or Daniel Bryan, uh, I'm talking about. He had some bad booking periods, not 
all the time, but like he was great enough in the ring and he had a strong enough in a, a connection with the crowd to where he was able to endure that and move on. Uh, Bray didn't have that. It was all character stuff. So, and he had some good matches, but I don't know. It just felt like a formula where they would build up either Bray or the entire Wyatt family every fall and then come WrestleMania season, he would always fucking lose. I mean, you go back to when he faced Dean Ambrose, what, two or three pay-per-views in a row? And he beat him a whole bunch of times. Got built up to what? Lose to The Undertaker at WrestleMania. They built him up for that entire Randy Orton feud. Lost to Randy at WrestleMania. I mean, it was an ongoing pattern that they just were never going to shake. And it just never really got over that. And whenever he got, like you said, any semblance of momentum, they would always cut his legs from right underneath him. So, um, a big loss for them. It is unfortunate that he got to this point. I got to ask you this. Did you catch the Ronda Rousey tweet? Uh, regarding Bray Wyatt and the chance from Raw, the We Want Wyatt chance, and what were your thoughts on it if you caught it? I did not see it. So Ronda Rousey tweeted the other day, basically, if I'm not going to read it word for word. I would have to go out of my way to find it. I don't follow her. But she had said that the fans were to blame for the release of Bray Wyatt because she she brought up the We Want Wyatt chance from Raw. I I didn't even know she was watching Raw when she she hasn't been here in two years. So I'm not even really sure what this has to do with her. But she brought up how oh why are you chanting for Bray Wyatt on Raw when you were the same people that were passing around beach balls during his matches a few years ago? If WWE saw him as expendable, then it's your fault. Um, do you agree with that? Because I thought that was a bunch of bullshit personally. I don't agree with that for like all the way, but I do think. Not that it's their fault, but I will say I, I feel like people gave up on the fiend way before there was like, I feel like people were against the fiend before it even really got to the point that they had kind of started to ruin him. I just feel like, or like, it's just it's wrestling kind of the way wrestling kind of is. Some points like fans do become fickle and like the what like they like some people just hate that people are over and so it's like the whole fiend stuff like he was really over and then people just like oh i don't like him just because of these certain reasons and they kind of just it is what it is it's like when when drew was champion everyone wanted to be champion once he's champion everyone's crying that they don't want him to be champion anymore it's just it's it's kind of one of those things and like you said especially with him in particular you do have to tread lightly um with the character just because he isn't the greatest in-ring worker so it kind of goes hand in hand i think like a daniel bryan or um, some other people like him can get away with like the bad booking just because they are so good in the ring that people still will care. For him, like people like he said, throwing beach balls in his matches because he, I mean, he's not the most exciting in ring. He's very older school style wrestling, slow plotting and kind of more storytelling than like the flip flops and uh, kind of the high spots. So it's not. I wouldn't say it's their fit. Their kind of there to blame but like the new style of wrestling fan kind of he just isn't their cup of tea normally in the ring so I, I think they kind of hurt him on that aspect I guess yeah I would agree with that to a certain extent I mean I agree that fans are fickle but I, I mean specifically with Bray Wyatt though before the pandemic and obviously during which we didn't have fans but before that it's not like they were shitting on his matches in the arenas it's not like they I from what I recall they were not passing around beach balls for any of his matches. Maybe a few years ago, I mean, someone had mentioned, oh, a Bray Wyatt-Matt Hardy match from Elimination, Elimination Chamber 2018. I mean, are we serious? Like, does anyone really give a fuck about that to begin with? I mean, I thought they... that That's going back a couple of years, and they had a decent feud, but it wasn't exactly white hot. But that's the company's fault. I mean, it's not... There. It wasn't Matt Hardy's fault. It wasn't Bray Wyatt's fault. I mean, the company... 
didn't exactly hold up their end of the bargain, give them anything interesting for them to do. So therefore, fans didn't really give a fuck. I mean, that's WWE's fault. Um, I don't really blame them for that. But with The Fiend, though, even though people, like, not you and me specifically, but more online, that IWC, I don't even really know what you would call it, weren't fans of The Fiend towards the end there, especially with the Orton stuff and whatever, although I thought the burn costume at TLC last year was awesome. Um, you know, like, they would always react to him. Whenever The Fiend came out and made an entrance, people would stop and pay attention. Like, you go back to the Rumble or Survivor Series. Yeah, he was at Survivor Series last year. They were in Chicago last year. And he got a great reaction, and people were into him. I mean, his matches weren't exactly lighting the world on fire, but people were into Bray Wyatt. So this notion that people just didn't give a fuck about him, I mean, that's because of WWE, though, and their booking, if that is true. So I don't really necessarily agree with that. Um, but let's move on here. We had another release, not exactly as noteworthy, but a noteworthy name, a notable name in Ric Flair, 16-time world champion, according to WWE anyway. Um, reported they got let go on Monday. WWE put out a statement about it on Tuesday, saying it was official on the 3rd. So either way, Monday or Tuesday, doesn't matter. Ric Flair is gone from WWE. Very likely, if they put out a statement like that, that means that he probably has a 90-day no-compete. He's not wrestling anyway, but I mean that as, like, he can't appear for another major promotion. Um, I don't. He's been under. He's been back with WWE for almost a decade now. He he left back in 09, 08 after he retired. Went to TNA for a few years, which was a fucking disaster. Uh, came back home to WWE, but they haven't really done a whole lot with him in recent years. That being said, though, the guy is 72 years old. I mean, they tried to use him for the Lacey Evans angle earlier this year, which was fucking terrible. But I will say the stuff he was doing with Orton about a year ago, um, going into the Drew McIntyre match, and he was managing Randy, and he got turned on. Uh, that, that sounds weird. He was betrayed by Randy Orton leading into the SummerSlam match. That shit I thought was awesome. Um, so it's not like a case like, oh, they could be doing so much more with Ric Flair. I mean, he probably, by all accounts, the guy's 72, uh, with the whole COVID situation, probably shouldn't even be with WWE on TV in a regular role right now. But he got let go, and according to him, in an interview with People Magazine, it was just to pursue other business opportunities. Um, so again, nothing really too much to discuss here, because it's not like he's going to go to uh, AEW and win a world title. The guy's 72 years old. But there are possibilities, like he could now appear on AEW TV if he wanted to down the road. And I would say reunite with the Horseman, obviously not only. He hasn't been in the picture in a long time, but... I mean, I think as you and I have discussed, he hasn't actually been on talking terms with the other horsemen in many years because I don't think they reached out to him when his son died about a decade ago, which is kind of fucked up. Um, but your thoughts, Mr. Marceau, on the release of Ric Flair from WWE? Yeah, I saw uh, the Nates got let go. Um, I, I agree. I feel like lately he hasn't done too much of note. I did like when he was managing Randy leading to the Drew feud. Um, but besides that, like the whole Lacey Evans stuff was awful. Um, he is getting older. I mean, I think I think if AEW will probably snatch him up just because Tony 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 Khan's a WCW mark. So yep, um, they probably like you said realign the Horsemen maybe for something. Hopefully get Oli out there, get Oli back out there, and uh, that's not uh, happening. But I mean, I guess we can wish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, gotta get the whole group out together. So God, uh, I just it is I like I don't know I don't really care like if you go like like everyone's like oh like. Can't believe we're getting rid of Ric Flair. It's like at this point, it's honestly like you know, I feel like he's he'll he's one of those guys will be there until like he passes. Unfortunately, just I feel like he'll never give it up. And yeah, I like Ric Flair, but at this point, there's really much not much to do with him. 
Yeah, no, people were saying, oh, maybe you can go to AEW and manage this person. First of all, they already have a million managers. Second of all, I would have liked that idea five, ten years ago. Remember when he was managing AJ Styles for, like, a cup of coffee in TNA and AJ was coming out with the fucking robe and, like, the, uh, uh, like the, the blonde hair and stuff like that? Do you remember that before Fortune? Yes. So, I mean, something like that <clears throat> would have been fine, like, years ago. But the guy's 72 now. The Orton stuff, like you said, I thought last summer was great. And he was only on TV in certain small doses and whatever, but... I mean, that Lacey Evans shit was just god-awful. It was just terrible. Not saying that AEW would do anything remotely close to that, but I do think for an occasional appearance... I mean, if he wants to sign there for the paycheck to pay off his alimony and his frickin' bar tabs and shit, then fine, I get it. But, like... Uh, he, he can't really contribute in a regular role as, like, a commentator or as a manager. I just, I don't really see the value in that, to be honest with you. I mean, he's, he's not a game changer as much as a Brian or Punk would be at this point, and he should not be wrestling, obviously. Um, I don't know. I think a Four Horsemen thing would be cool. We kind of got a Four Horsemen reunion to a certain extent, right? I think it was the week before the Pinnacle debuted. It was a week before the Revolution pay-per-view earlier this year when they had... Arn Anderson in the ring, Tully Blanchard came back, was managing FTR, they had a face-off, and then J.J. Dillon came out on the stage from a couple of months ago. Do you remember that? Yeah. So, they could do something like that, bring out Ric Flair, and I think it'd be a great moment. Like you said, Tony Khan is the biggest mark of WCW, hence why we got Jericho and Juventud Guerrero, the juice on WCW, or on WCW, on AEW Dynamite last night. Um, but other than that, I don't really see him landing in a regular role anywhere else, like Impact or NWA or uh, Ring of Honor, whatever the fuck. Like, they could even afford to pay the guy to begin with. Um, but let's speak about Monday Night Raw real quickly from Monday night. A lot more of the same from the week prior. Um, there are some other news and, you know, other news items I do want to get to a little bit later on. But before that, with Raw on Monday, uh, there's real no reason to go into, an, like, an in-depth breakdown from the show because it was a lot of the same same stuff from the week before. Uh, we saw the in-ring, I was going to say debut, but he's wrestled before, singles match. Um, Omos taking on Riddle, I thought that was well done. The Keith Lee carrying cross match was decent, but the 50-50 booking with these people is just fucking dumb. I think it's stupid. Um, they did it here with that. They did it on this show with um, Nikki Ash and Charlotte. That was one instance where it should have happened. Nikki Ash should not have lost again. That would have been absolutely dumb. I thought they had a good main event. Um, the McIntyre, Veer, and Shanky thing, who cares? And they also had Mason T-Bar avenge their loss from last week against Mansoor and Mustafa Ali. So, on the whole, Mr. Marceau, what were your thoughts from Monday's Raw? Extremely forgettable. Um, definitely not must-see TV. I don't know what the hell is going on in Raw. It just There's nothing really on Raw at this point that is really piquing my interest. Um, just They need to do better booking. It's just I can't get rematches every week, and... I don't know. It's just like, yeah, SmackDown is not the greatest every time. Like they do similar stuff, but I just, I, I say we say this every week. I don't know how they're 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 written and booked by the same company. It's just, I feel like Raw every week is just like rematch galore. And SmackDown, yeah, they do have rematches, but I just don't think it's as as frequent. I think it's probably the two hours help SmackDown just because it's not another hour of TV. But like, can't like Drew wrestle someone else or like, why do I have to see John Morris and Damian Priest every week? Like, I just. Whatever happened to like, just like squash matches and stuff like that? They're not oh like not every match has to be like a big deal. And I, I just feel like fans at this point like they want everything hot shot and want everything like to be great. But like building people up works too, and not like just doing the same match every freaking week. 
I mean, they were doing that, to be fair, about a year or two ago when Heyman took over Creative. I mean, it was almost to the point where they were doing too many squash matches, but you go back and watch an episode of Raw from, like, October, November, December of 2019, McIntyre was squashing people on the regular, and I think that was what helped get him over. Exactly, and that's what, sure enough, he won the fucking Royal Rumble a month later, and he was super over. What a fucking surprise. And they got him over. Andrade was doing squash matches, and they gave him the U.S. Championship, and he kind of got over for a while before they fucked up the booking with him. Aleister Black was squashing people left and right. They got him over. He beat AJ Styles, and then they did nothing with him after Heyman kind of lost control of the Raw creative team. And a lot of those people, Andrade, Murphy, Black, are all gone. McIntyre is the only one still there. Thank God he's kind of sustained his push, and he's still a top guy. But it's a lot of the same shit, and you kind of go to SmackDown, and it's not like... An amazing show by any means, but I thought the Sasha Banks return last week was well done. I thought the contract signing was stupid, but I mean, you look at it on paper, dude. We got SummerSlam in a couple of weeks. Now that the Raw matches are completely abysmal, but like on Raw alone, we have Lashley and Goldberg, which is now official. The three-way for the women's title, Ripley, Charlotte, and Nikki Ash, and then uh, what was the other match? It was those two, and oh my god, what was the other one? I was just thinking about it. Drew and gender. Drew and gender. How the fuck did I forget? So that's obviously not official yet, but it will be soon. You have those three matches. For SmackDown alone, the only three matches that... They're not all official, but it's obviously looking likely. Edge versus Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns versus uh, John Cena for the Universal Championship. And Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title. I mean, just the... I don't know if the weight would be the right word, but just like the the, the difference there and, and importance of these matches between Raw and SmackDown is just night and day. It's amazing. Yeah, it's because they've been booked better. It's not like it's just that's that's what I'm saying though. It's like it's been booked better. It see it seems more must see. It's more interesting. I agree. The contract signing was absolutely stupid because the contract signing was for Finn and Roman. Just because Finn got knocked down and beat up doesn't mean John Cena going to sign the sign the freaking contract exactly. that was so dumb but I mean I it is what it is but the three matches in SmackDown are ten times more intriguing than anything on Raw right now I mean it's not even close so I don't know. They just got to figure their shit out and whatever. But uh, that, that Sasha, uh, Sasha Banks, I thought her return, I was going to say SmackDown, but her return on SmackDown I thought was the highlight of the show last week. They're just doing a much better job of uh, building up the blue brand side of the SummerSlam card than they are with Monday Night Raw. So that's basically Raw in a nutshell right now because really nothing else about the show stands out in a positive manner whatsoever. They had Goldberg on the show this week and I don't know, just who can possibly care at this point? I want to get your updated thoughts, though, on the Karrion Cross thing, because we had a pretty intensive debate about it about a week or two ago when he, when he debuted, and then he picked up a win last week. He lost this week to Keith Lee, and Keith Lee needs the wins, but I feel like no one's really benefiting from this. Keith Lee came out to a decent reaction, because they haven't completely butchered Keith Lee. He was gone for a few months, but, you know, he at least had a solid start on Raw before he took time off. So Chicago gave him a fairly favorable reaction on Monday night. Karrion Cross in Chicago came out to fucking cricket. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that specifically before we moved on. Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand what they're doing. Um, we talked about last week. I thought Keith Lee losing was more of a indictment on him than Cross actually winning. But may- maybe this is like their little feud just to do it, and then someone will eventually go over. I mean, I think Cross. <laughs> I think Cross should win. I-, I don't know what their thought is. Maybe they have Keith Lee win, and then you introduce Scarlett and kind of get Keith Lee going a little bit. But I don't know. There's like I said, there's other people for these people to beat and not beat each other. And 
I don't know. It's just another one of those things. It's just a head scratcher, honestly. Well, it's evident to me that this spot was obviously occupied for Jeff Hardy instead of Keith Lee. Jeff Hardy went down with COVID, or not went down, I mean, make it sound like he died or something, but he got sick with COVID. <laughs> He's okay. Hopefully he'll be back next week. And, um, you know, they just plug Keith Lee in there instead, and now they're just trading wins. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know, dude. We've gone off about 50-50 booking before, and people will say, oh, why are you complaining that Karrion lost? Because, you know, Keith Lee won. Why aren't you happy about that? Because they shouldn't be fucking facing each other. It goes back to what you were just saying 90 seconds ago about squash matches. I mean, what what is Angel Garza, Drew Gulak, and all these other people in main event doing? Why aren't they out there losing to the Keith Lees of the world and the Karrion Crosses and people like that? I mean, it's just, I just don't understand. I really just don't get it. But too busy chasing Reginald for the 24-7 championship. Come on, GSM, use oh, your ad. Yeah, it's not Reginald, it's Reggie now. He's not French. Oh, it's just Reggie now? Yeah, he's, they're just calling him Reggie, and he came out on SmackDown saying that, oh, I pretended to be French so I could be a sommelier for Carmella, and now I'm not actually, I, I live in... What, New Jersey or something? I don't even fucking know. He's another guy that came out to crickets. His little gymnastics act is cute and all, and people are kind of into it a little bit. But again, just a complete waste of time. Someone was like, oh, my 12-year-old's into it, or my, my fucking six-year-old's into it. I'm like, that's great for your six-year-old, but they're not tuning into Monday Night Raw like I am. I don't know. I just think it's garbage. <laughs> the whole Reginald stuff, like I said, it's like one of those things that Vince thinks, like, oh, this is great. Like, I could do the flip-flops, and yeah. like, I could do all like that like the high acrobat stuff. And then like after like a month when people start finally don't care about this guy anymore, they'll just move on. He's athletic. I mean, guy's hell of a acrobat, but I mean, what's him, the 24 seven championship is just like, you're at that point, if you're doing that, you're considered the lowest of the low at that company. Even if you're the champion, like it's such a poorly booked kind of division. If you even want to call it that, that like, why would he even be happy with that? It's just like, Oh, run around and do flips, and it's just dumb. It's, oh, 24 yeah. everything needs to die, honestly. It's just not even entertaining is the thing. It's people like, oh, that's the point. It's supposed to be a joke title. It's like, yeah, it was funny for the first couple of months, but then it completely fell off after, like, Drake Maverick wasn't involved with it as much anymore, and then it became the R-Truth title, and now it's just people running out, trying to go after the champion. He dodges them, and that's it. It's so uncreative. It's It's amazing. And it's just the same shit every fucking week. Like, I think a title like this, like it did 20 years ago, could work in the modern WWE with all the shows that they have. But just with what they've done with it, and it doesn't matter who's holding it, it's just a joke title. It's not even a joke title. A joke title would imply that it's actually funny. This is just a complete waste of time. It's a total waste of a segment that you could just use on a video package for someone else, like we saw on NXT. And uh, let's get into NXT from Wednesday, or Tuesday, rather, on Sci-Fi. It was a significantly better show. I didn't think NXT was a home run of a show this week. Uh, really not much of note happened at all. Um, but I thought it was a fine little show. They had, you know, Hit Row versus Legato Del Fantasma. They had the next match in the NXT Breakout Tournament with Trey Baxter beating Joe Gacy. They had Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish. Good match um, towards the opening of the show. I thought the Joe carrying cross angle was well done. I thought Gargano and Loomis had a, uh, a solid match in the main event. The stipulation was kind of pointless because Loomis and Hartwell went at it anyway afterward, but whatever. Um, the actual show was fine. I think the real best part about this episode of NXT on Tuesday, dude, was the video packages by far. No, I completely agree. I thought the the video packages that we talked about yesterday, I thought the Walter and Ilya one was really good, and that the Dakota Kai one was, I mean amazing stuff i just that's what like you said instead of doing these stupid 24 7 championship bullcrap why don't they put out a minute or two 
promo by like Keith Lee or Karrion Cross make someone care about him. Like the Dakota Kai one was like, I think the Volter and Ilya one was good to build the match, but the Dakota Kai one was like basically saying why she did what she did, and it was like perfectly like illustrated. Went back when Raquel first mm-hmm. like was in NXT, and she was a loser. She lost to uh, Keith Zara on the Young Classic, and yep. then she wasn't doing anything. And then Dakota took her under her wing, and then she started winning, and then she took the title champ champ title opportunity when she probably gave it to Dakota and then she won and like I think it's like they literally booked it perfectly so I just think the way she described it I think she should be the baby face obviously had Raquel so she's gonna be the heel um, but I just feel like Raquel's way more of a heel than a baby face I just feel like people don't like she's a Amazon like big jacked up woman I just feel like it's not really like it's more I just feel like she's like a China she's like more of a heel yep no, I think I think in my opinion, I like Raquel. She seems like a really nice person in real life, so I think she can make for a decent babyface. To me, though, it's more of a case of Raquel not being more of a natural, more of a natural heel, but Dakota Kai being more of a natural babyface. I mean, I think she's been great as a heel over the last year and a half, but it's been just that. It's been almost two years, a year and a half since she turned heel. She's had success. She's done fairly well on the role, but honestly, dude, if you look at the women's roster right now, they called up Shotzi, they called up Tegan. I think you kind of need another babyface on that roster. They brought in Frankie Monet, who was a heel. Um, Io Shirai's doing the tag team thing right now. Zoe Stark's doing the tag team thing. They called up Tony Storm. She was a heel. I don't know. I feel like they need, and they have Ember Moon, but like she's just kind of there at this point. She's not winning the championship. Her partner's gone. She's just kind of floundering. They need another like up and coming plucky babyface that they can kind of rally behind. And I think Dakota Kai is that woman. She clearly won't be the babyface in this feud. I don't even know if there is going to be a babyface. We say, like, someone's going to turn. I don't think anyone's going to turn because NXT is infamous, for whatever reason, for doing heel versus heel matches. I don't know why. On occasion, it's okay. They do it all the fucking time. I guess hit row or babyfaces. I guess. Like, Gargano never actually turned. He was a face for, like, two weeks. And now he's back to being a heel. I don't know what to think. But the bottom line is that as you texted me yesterday or the day before, TakeOver 36 is shaping up to be, I think, the, the sexiest card, not only of the year, but I think since for TakeOvers, since TakeOver New York two and a half years ago. And that's saying something considering how stacked a lot of these TakeOver specials are. No, I completely agree. I texted you yesterday just looking at what the projected card will be. The card looks amazing. I think the biggest problem with it, like I texted you, is that it just got to be in a bigger arena. I don't want it at the COVID Coliseum, as uh, Solomon would call it, and other people have referred to it as. I don't really want it in the Capitol Wrestling Center with all of 10 people there. I just don't think... I honestly think these takeovers could rival the, you know, the AEW pay-per-views and the WWE pay-per... Like, Money in the Bank was a great show, but if that's a show that happens in the Thunderdome, it would have been good, but it would not have been great. Like, a lot of the pandemic pay-per-views would have been a lot better with fans. I think the takeovers are the same things. We haven't really seen, you know, a standout takeover. They've had a lot of good takeovers. I thought Stand and Deliver Night 1 and Night 2 where it was very good. But I think it would have been even more epic if they had, like, yes, they have fans there, but they're not exactly electric, and it's the same people week after fucking week. I don't know. I don't know. That's not practical at this point because they can't get it into a bigger arena before SummerSlam weekend. But it is unfortunate it's going to have to take place in the CWC. Yeah, I'm kind of over the CWC at this point. It's just like you feel like you're like a grungy dive bar. It's just like yeah, it just it just screams bushly. Up a little bit. I understand it's supposed to be like the hardcore like wrestling crowd, but like 
like you're in WWE, you have the money, like make it look a little nicer. It seems so like dark and gloomy. They need to freshen it up a little bit. Yeah, it just screams Bush League to me. I don't know. And the comparisons that people make that AEW feels way more Major League than NXT are kind of proven when you see shows like that. I think the actual wrestling and the storylines, for the most part, are very good, but it's just, it doesn't have that must-see feel that it should when it's taking place in front of 10 people that are just kind of, to me, come across as jaded because they see the same shows every week. They're always there. I guess you could say you could say the same thing about like the ECW arena, for example. But it's a different time, and these people are not as electric as those fans. And NXT isn't as hot as, like, the old ECW was. I understand that. But even Full Sail was more electric than the fucking CWC is. I don't know if it's the acoustics or what. It's just not a great atmosphere at all. It served its purpose. It's time to move on. Obviously, with the whole Delta variant stuff, I mean, more shows could be in jeopardy anyway. So maybe they might as well just stay there. I have no idea. It's crazy. But before we move on to AEW, I got to ask you this. I did reference this last week before we went on like an hour tangent about everything else on like the issues with the WWE booking right now. With Adam Cole specifically, you know, we talked about Karrion Cross. He's only been there for a couple weeks. I'm not going to say he's dead in the water by any means. It's not looking good, but he's not dead in the water. But I've said this before. If a guy like Karrion Cross gets called up, what does that say for the future of a guy like Adam Cole? If Karrion Cross can't get called up and get pushed from the get-go, I think I think Adam Cole's fucking doomed. I don't think he's getting called up to be a star, maybe not even a mid-card champion. He'd probably get called up, would have a couple of matches, and then end up like Angel Garza on main event, to be completely honest with you. I really do not see them doing much of note with him at all on the main roster. I could be wrong. It could be one of those things where it's like, oh, just give it a shot. If it doesn't work out, whatever, at least you could say that you did it. But the timing of his contract expiring reportedly right during SummerSlam weekend, which is around TakeOver 36, could not be more perfect. Because this Kyle O'Reilly feud is culminating at that point. They've continued this feud for a reason. I think, as I've said for six months now, it's going to end with a loser leaves town match, a TakeOver. Adam Cole's obviously losing. But the real question is, is he going to Raw or SmackDown? Or is he going elsewhere? Is he going to AEW? If he doesn't go... If he doesn't go to the main roster and he leaves, I mean, I guess he can go back to Ring of Honor for a little while or somewhere else, but it would probably be AEW. I mean, AEW would be dumb to not snatch this guy up. We talked a little bit about it before we went live here. Would he get lost in the shuffle? I think there's a big chance of that, especially as the roster gets bigger. I've said that before. To me, he feels like a WWE guy in that he's the perfect guy to throw out there and do media. I mean, you, Mr. Marcel, were not a big indie wrestling fan. You didn't watch many of, much of it years ago, but you knew of Adam Cole. You wanted to see him in WWE, and he's had an amazing run in NXT. But it's time for him to move on. Like, I don't want to see him become a Gargano or a Ciampa where he's there for too long, and it's just like, okay, cool. I mean, they have their own issues for being there, but like Cole, I think has way more to offer. He's younger. I honestly, I think at this point, the likelier, the, the further along we go here, the likelier it is that he leaves. So I got to ask you, Mr. Marceau, what would you rather see him go to the main roster, sign the new contract? He's there for a few years and either they release him or he's just miserable for four years. And there's a very good chance he gets fucked up uh, as far as the booking goes. Or would you rather see him explore other ventures elsewhere and go to an AEW and maybe try his hand there, maybe get lost in the shuffle, but have more of a chance at success in a company like that. It's tough because I feel like if Brian and Punk weren't coming in, I would say AEW. But the fact that they're they're allegedly going to go there, I just Cole could be a heel though. To be fair, he can come in as a heel, and that wouldn't I don't know if that would affect him too much. Yeah, but I just feel like there's so many heels as it is though. Yeah, I. I, I I just, I don't really know. If he came in as a heel, like, 
there are guys for him to work with. I just feel like once those guys like a Daniel Bryan or CM Punk come in, I mean, they're bigger stars than Adam Cole are. They're at a whole nother level. So uh, it's tough. I, I mean, honestly, like dream scenario, which probably wouldn't happen. Like maybe sign like a one year deal with WWE, try the main roster out. If it's not going the way he wants it to go, then, book there but i feel like if they're gonna resign it'll probably be like a multi-year deal like you said to kind of get him under contract but it's tough because i th- feel like yeah his girlfriend works for ew so like that would be nice and but like i feel like he is a wwe guy like you said at the end of the day like yeah carrying cross isn't getting put over but i do think he does have flaws whereas adam cole i think like he basically is flawless besides his height that's basically his biggest flaw unfortunately like he can do everything else and maybe that's why he never succeed on the main roster. But I, I think, yeah, I just, I, I think I'd rather see him fail in WWE and go to AEW than go to AEW and get lost in the shuffle and really not pan out the way we think he's gonna. Do you think it sends more of a message though, in that we've never seen anyone get to the heights that a guy like Cole has in NXT and then leave. Like it has been commonplace for, it's been such a formula for so long now for you to win the NXT championship Obviously, he won it two years ago, but it, it works a little differently now. More, most people's runs in NXT <clears throat> last for more of a year, two years at most. He's been there for four. Most The entire Undisputed Era has been there for four or five years. Obviously, he's got to move on. I think he has more to offer elsewhere at this point. But it's always been commonplace for you to win the NXT title and then get moved up. And a lot of those people have done well. You know, Nakamura is not at the heights that he should be, but he's a solid upper mid-card guy. He's had a lot of mid-card titles, tag titles. He's been okay. You know, a guy like Bobby Roode, was he ever the big deal that he should have been? No. Kevin Owens succeeded. Owens has been doing okay, or uh, Sami Zayn's been doing okay. Balor's done fine for himself as well. I just feel like at this point, though, if he were to get all the success that he did in NXT and then to say, fuck you guys, I'm out of here... To me, that is a big indictment on the main roster. Because I think he sees the writing on the wall before he even gets there. We've seen people quit NXT before. I mean, Sammy Callahan being one of them, he wasn't going anywhere fast. So he probably made the right call there. There's a lot of people that have quit NXT. But it is I don't think we've ever seen a case of someone being the face of NXT and then leaving before ever getting to Raw and SmackDown. I don't think we've ever seen that before. I mean, obviously... Yeah, Velvet but I also, think, I also think the situation's a totally different... This is a total different ball game at this point. Like with AEW, clearly he's friends with all those guys. His wife works there. It's a total. I think it's in like say that he was a face of it. Like when those guys are a face of NXT, there wasn't really anywhere else you could really go. Anyways, like what's Shinsuke going to go to TNA or Ring of Honor or Japan? <laughs> all those guys were basically getting promoted. They didn't really have a choice. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah. So this one is a little bit different. I think he also has more outside circumstances than. Than most people do. Like he obviously is friends with the Young Bucks and and Kenny, and he was in the Elite and the Bullet Club and all that garbage. Um, garbage. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. <laughs> um, I had to throw the garbage comment just to pop GSM. As they uh, wore my Bullet Club shirt. <laughs> I do own. But, I'm not uh, wearing it now. I do own one though. Yeah, we know. I bought. I bought um, it the day that I met Adam Cole, like five years ago, at a Ring of Honor show. Terrible. So. I, I think he has more circumstances. Like, and I think a lot of people like forget. It's like if he goes to the main roster, like they're gonna potentially start running house shows again, and they travel a lot. AEW, it's still been like a one once a week kind of thing, maybe twice a rampage. But 
it's in the same city that it seems like they'll be in the same area or city that they're going to do dynamite. He'll be with his wife or girlfriend with his friends. I think it's, I think it's a lot easier for him to go. And I bet you AEW will throw a ton of money at him. So it's not like, I, I think he'll go to AEW, unfortunately. And I, I think I'd rather see him test the main roster. See, it's not going to work out and then move. But if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I would say he's going to AEW. Do you think, and I was having this this discussion with Alexis last night, do you think AEW could do the two brand, like brand split? With, I mean, the thing is, is that if they do a brand split, they would do it way better than WWE because Vince McMahon is an inconsistent as fuck. And the, the brand split's been inconsistent literally since like the day that they did it in O2. And th- this is not a new thing. Like they drafted the rock to SmackDown. Then he showed back up on raw like two months later. I mean, this, that's just not where they work with this company. I have no doubt that if Tony Khan were to do an actual draft, that he would do it the right way and it would actually matter. But I feel like if they were to do it, it would feel too much like WWE. If that makes sense. Like could people be exclusive to certain shows and, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. I'm completely against having a brand split for AEW. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if they, they already have, not that it's like, I think the two shows can work in a certain, a certain directions. Like the way, the reason that WWE kind of went that I feel like the brand split in particular is because they would have everyone on both shows. The whole point of having another show is like to focus on other people too. It's like, yeah, you can have, the Rock on SmackDown one week, and then like maybe next week is on Raw. But don't have them on both shows, like main eventing both of them, and taking like the whole point of the other shows, to, like get other people over or like switching it up. So it's like next week, I hope on Dynamite we don't see like Britt Baker out there wrestling because we're gonna get her on Rampage. Like I want them to like use the other shows to like maybe focus on other things, but like don't put them on both shows. It's kind of to a point that you're gonna be like overexposed if you're on both shows, and that's why I think. The original brands will happen because they only had like Brock Austin, like they had six top guys, but then they had no one underneath and no one else was kind of like gaining any momentum. So the brands will like help to see other people get more airtime and made more stars. That's the mm-hmm. whole point of it. I mean, at the end of the day, it is what it is, but I think a brand's what helps to a point, but I think you don't really need it if you just kind of book efficiently no that that makes sense no i agree i think uh, the biggest pro of of having a brand split is that it kind of gives an entire show to one or two people or you know more than that like aj with smackdown a couple of years ago or becky lynch or whatever but that's because they weren't accurately making stars prior to that point or at least not as many as they should um aew not that everyone's a mega star but they're making more stars than wwe is at this point i mean Case in point last night with Dynamite, which we'll get into momentarily. But, no, I would agree with that. I'm not as vehemently against it as you are, but I'm also not clamoring for it because I just feel like it would be too much in the way of the WWE formula of doing things. Um, I would, Like you said, I don't think it's necessary as long as they don't overexpose certain people and they give more people exposure that need exposure. But it's also to the point of, like, this is another thing I don't like about it. Say that I really like... I don't know. Hangman. Like, I like really like Hangman, and you can name two other people. So that they're only on Rampage, then I just probably wouldn't watch Dynamite. Like, uh, th- to me, that's how I, like, when I was a kid, like, yeah, I would occasionally watch Raw, but I was a SmackDown guy, so I would always watch SmackDown. Raw, I would just, like, kind of watch. I could be more of a, like, see what happens thing. If you have, if you only kind of pigeonhole people to certain shows, and if you're not, like, truly a, like yeah like a big fan of the other things going on you're just not gonna watch like 
I used to always order all the SmackDown pay-per-views, and I probably, like, the only time I would see the Raw ones, if it was, like, a match I really wanted to see, or it was, like, the interpromotional ones. I just, for me, that's how I always viewed it, and I just, I'd rather them kind of bounce off each show than just, like, specifically aim on one show. My counterpoint to that is that I wouldn't, like, for example, AEW, I think, would do this better than WWE did, but... You know, I'm not going back to the original brand split because in more so in recent years, they've kind of fucked it up. But you go back to 2015, why would I watch SmackDown for Roman Reigns if I already saw him on Raw? You know, especially if they're doing the same shit. That's why I think SmackDown's ratings went down the toilet for a long time because they weren't doing anything of note on the show. I don't think AEW yeah. would have that problem, though. No, but I'm saying, no, that, but, no, that your point is saying if they do a brand split, well, if they don't have a brand split, I'm saying, if they don't. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're going to not do one, don't have everyone on both shows is my point. That's what I'm saying. That's yes. what I said. I, I wouldn't want, like, Kenny Omega on both shows every week, like, fucking doing everything important. Like, the whole point of the other shows is to have other people, like, succeed and do stuff. That was yeah. my point. So, no, I agree with that point. As long as... So, here, here's my thing. I think you can have it both ways. I think you can put Kenny Omega on Dynamite for one week, but then do a match with him on, on Rampage the next without pigeonholing That's him to one said. show. <laughs> is that it what you said? I literally just said that. I said, hopefully next week, Britt Baker's not on Dynamite and she'll be on Rampage. Okay, and, like, my the mistake. She'll be on Dynamite and Rampage. Like, that's yes. the whole point. Like, I don't want them, like like you said, I want Roman Reigns beating up Wade Barrett on Raw than him beating the League of Nations on a 1-4-8 cap match on SmackDown. <laughs> Yeah, but you had said you had said otherwise that like back in the day with the brand split, if you like Hangman on SmackDown, you're not going to watch Raw. Well, if he's only on SmackDown, then I'm only going to watch SmackDown. That's my point. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense, and it has to be done right. And the problem is that WWE just doesn't know how to do it right. With the wild card role, they had the Roman Reigns all on Raw, and they did the exact same match on SmackDown two days later or the next day or whatever. So, yeah, okay, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. If they did it right, then maybe. Um, we'll see. I don't think they'll do that anyway. I don't think it'll be a problem, but just, just a thought. Just an interesting little debate. A um, couple more things on the AEW front. Another person that could be AEW bound, Cole's still up in the air, but the former Ruby Riot reportedly, according to Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp, shout out to him, very credible source, saying that Ruby Riot, now known as Ruby Soho, could be on her way to AEW in the very near future. Her 90-day no-compete expires around All Out. She could appear at All Out if they wanted her to. In what role, I don't know. Very likely, though. So, uh, your thoughts on the former Ruby Riot potentially being AEW bound? I think she's a great fit for that women's division, which needs more stars, in my opinion. Yeah, we talked about it last week, I think. I think it makes sense for her. I mean, they don't have a lot of stars right now. I think she's great in the ring and just never really got the, the right push in WWE. I mean, they had the Riot squad that was like, eh, then they pushed her by herself and it really never went anywhere. Um, but I think she's great. She's a little bit different. And I think that's the best place to put her. I think they stars and need new faces that are credible. So kind of, it's like putting peanut butter and jelly together. I agree on another AEW note, not from dynamite from dark. Uh, we talked about this previously, but your thoughts on the max caster polarizing promo from dark on Tuesday. Oh my goodness. Like I myself are, is art is like, I'm not really offended by much. I wouldn't even really say I was offended by it, but like, I agree. I heard it really was saying, why would you say that? Because you know people are going to be offended by it. Not like they shouldn't be offended because, like, plenty of people deal with, like, legitimate mental health issues. And, like, I feel like the Simone Biles thing was, like, a little too close to home for some people. I mean, it was pretty much the biggest news so far in the Olympics. And just, I just don't think it's the, 
just like making fun of it's probably not the greatest thing of all time. The whole Duke lacrosse thing, I mean, that was like 15 years ago, so I don't even know why it's making the rounds again. Um, I mean, they, I think I'm pretty sure they got like acquitted from that, but still, like the rape joke in 2021, not the greatest idea. And the whole Julia Hart stuff, like she looked uncomfortable, and I don't blame her. Like she's like 18, 19 years old, and it was just fucking yeah, weird. I, I don't. It's not funny. You know, like, and it's not heat worthy. It was just weird. And it's not. I hate when people are like, well, their heels are supposed to get heat. Like, no, it's just stupid. No, did that get any heat after she said it? No, people were like, okay, that was fucking. It's weird. I don't know. I didn't like it. I like you said. I said this on hashtag, so I'll keep it short. But I mean, was I offended by it? No, but I just didn't think. <clears throat> I think it was more stupid than anything else. I'm just not really sure why you think that'd be a good idea to say on any major platform or whatever and not expect to get backlash. I mean, especially with the way the world is and. 2021 for better or for worse why you would think that'd be a good idea i have no fucking clue people deal with this shit every day so it's not like it's it's this fake outrage or if it's i don't know i just thought it was even dumb for him to say and i don't blame people for getting offended um i don't know i, I don't think it's one of those things where it's like why are people getting so offended i've said that before about various other things i don't think this is one of those things so i just thought it was fucking dumb um another thing on the dynamite front before we get into the show itself I don't know if you saw this from Dynamite last night. Dan Lambert's actually coming back next week. He says he's bringing back up um, after getting embarrassed by Lance Archer a month ago on the show. Uh, what were your? Th- we didn't really talk about that on the, at the time because you weren't on that episode of WrestleRant Radio. But um, your thoughts on Lambert coming back and who could he be bringing from the MMA world? You think? I honestly have no idea. I think it's cool. I think it. I mean, they should have probably done this a couple weeks ago. Like bring it up a month later. Is like bring up the Shaq stuff at this point. I, I agree. Uh, he disappeared. He disappeared, and so did this. But, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think it's it's going to be on Dynamite or Rampage. That's on Dynamite, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't it, know. I it could to... be on Rampage, but I'm pretty sure it's Dynamite. Yeah, I, I really don't know who he could bring. I mean, Lance Archer's a big guy, so I'm assuming a big guy, but uh, I'm interested. I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to what Maybe I thought. Maybe a strong bro-man. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? What about Cain Velasquez? Oh, He's an MMA guy. No comment. Brock Lesnar? It's not going to be Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no comment on that. I'm not touching that one. So what I, what I think is going to end up happening is that it's going to be someone that I'm not familiar with from the MMA world, and we're going to have to come on here on Thursday, and you're going to have to break down every accolade for me that this person has had. I think that's probably what it's going to be. Let me just jump on American Top Team right now. Let's see. <laughs> Yeah, it'll probably be someone from American Top Team. I don't think it'll be like a Daniel Cormier or someone like that, right? No, probably not. He's a big wrestling it. fan, so I think that'd be fucking cool, but I don't expect that to happen. Kane, Kane had said in an interview that he's actually planning on wrestling again later this year in Mexico because he felt like the WWE run just came way too soon, which I agree. Um, I don't know. I feel like it'd be premature for him to be for it to be him though. I mean, notable fighters that trained at American Top Team, Bobby Lashley, man, they're pulling him back out. <laughs> but Maybe yeah, I, I see a couple of like, heavyweights that would probably go toe-to-toe with Archer, so yeah. if it happens next week, we'll go over it. I'll list up all their accolades, how much they weigh, uh, their local purse. I mean, I'll just go over everything yeah. next week when you're a scuffle, and you butcher their name, probably, because that yeah. normally happens. like Jorge Mazdaval? Masvidal, yeah. Okay, I didn't butcher it too bad. Masvidal. Yeah, if it makes you feel better, whenever someone calls calls me at work, I try my best to pronounce their last name, even though I know I'm going to butcher it. No, I do it all the time. I apologize every time, but I'm just like, I need to try, and even if I fail, (laughs) I still 
I apologized beforehand before they even had a, have a chance to get offended. So um, that, that, that's the way that I look at it. But yeah, no, I, I expect it to be someone along those lines, and uh, we'll see who it is. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. If they're like, oh, that, 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 that's, that's Lobby Bashley. What the hell is he doing here? That's the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the WWE champion. Now, they, awful. They have a history from Impact, but uh, yeah, no, I, have, I have a feeling it probably won't, be, <laughs> probably won't be Bobby Lashley. But I'm looking forward to it though. Uh, the Homecoming edition of Dynamite really wasn't overly eventful at all. Um, I thought it was a solid show for the most part by the usual Dynamite standards, not as good as the most recent shows on the road. But I thought it was all right. Um, I know you have no idea who Camille is, the NWA Women's Champion. What were your thoughts on the size difference between her and uh, legit, legit Layla Hirsch, who's getting the next NWA Women's title shot? It was like a little kid going up to an NFL player at like training camp to get an autograph. <laughs> I mean, Camille, I mean, she must be like, she looks she, like she's, she might be six feet. I mean, she looked she like is. she was tall. Uh, she is. Uh, my friend Rick Knox, I mean, she, she was giraffing over him. Uh, <laughs> never seen much of her. So, I, I mean, she's champion. I, I feel like she must be kind of decent in the ring. Layla Hirsch, I, I just. They couldn't find anyone better than her and Bunny. I mean, I don't know. It just is kind of is what it is. But I mean, we'll see. I guess I'm not too overly uh, anticipating this uh, encounter. Well, I think it's going to be happening at the NWA Women's Pay Per View, so you might not even be relegated oh, to watch shame. it. What'd you say? What a shame! <laughs> I was going to say you won't have the uh, the duty to have watched it anyway. So I think I think you'll be okay. But um, yeah, no. So they had that on last night's show. They had, again, n- not a lot. They had uh, Juventud Guerrera, the Jews, back in action on TNT for the first time in two decades, taken on a very familiar phone, Chris Jericho. The nostalgia stopped there, though, is this was not a very good match at all. This was an absolute train wreck, and I thought <laughs> if it was going to be a train wreck, it'd be on Hoovy's side, and it was all Jericho. It was all Jericho. It was I hate blown to say it, up like a balloon that just got helium put in him. Yep. Oh, my goodness. And I felt so bad for Hoovy. Like, he was, like, trying, like, like he, like, was going to, like, do something, but Jericho just wasn't there. So he, like, stuttered, and, like, he tried to do a couple high moves, and, like, I'm pretty sure on the floor he tried to do, like, the uh, Hurricane Rana scissors, and Jericho just kind of, like, caught him, and he just fell over. Like, it looked like he was going to go for, like, a Hurricane Rana in, like, on the floor, and Jericho literally just caught him and fell down. Yeah. It was, uh... It was tough to watch, honestly. I think the more and more we see of Jericho, just the more and more we can see that he's just not really in the greatest old, shape man. and shouldn't be on Dynamite Wrestling every week. Obviously, when he first came, he was wrestling like maybe once a month or two. He was more just cutting promos and stuff, but wrestling every week. I mean, if MJF loses this guy, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so MJF is the fifth labor, right? He's It's not a fifth labor and then MJF? I think MJF's the fifth labor, I think. <laughs> I thought so. I think it's Wardlow next week, and then he's the fifth labor. That's I, I always thought there was someone else, and then it would be MJF, but I'm pretty sure he is the fifth labor, and they'll do it all out. Now, he can't. MJF can't lose to this guy. After that match last night, he just can't. I mean, the guy's looking every bit of 50 and probably a little older than that. I mean, I've seen better Sting matches than that one last night. That was not that good at all. Um, the stipulation was fun. I thought the Judas effect off the top rope looked pretty cool, but... The actual match itself was a total train wreck, as you mentioned, and I just, uh, I don't know. That was just a disaster. What were your thoughts on the former Ever-Rise appearing on the show and the six-man tag team match after that? Yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, I love Darby, so Darby looked great. Loved the dive that he had. 
I mean, oh, that was fantastic. Just, yeah. Absolutely. Just like, no, it just, Hey, when he hits his dives, like that's one of the only people I don't mind when they dive. Cause it like, keeps like licking in there and it looks like a hearth. So it's perfect. Um, but besides that it was fine. I mean, it was a decent match. Moxley and Kingston are just kind of blowing in the wind at this point. Um, but Darby's doing good stuff. Sting, I mean, I can only imagine how much money he's getting paid to stand there every week. I'm, I'm honestly very curious to know how much money he makes. I mean, I, I don't think it was for a, uh, uh, you know, just a chunk of change. I don't think when they signed him, I think they signed him a pretty lucrative deal when he signed for a melt that, you know, that multi-year deal about a year ago. I would imagine. You I don't think, think it's, coming... you don't think it's a five hundred dollar shot kind of thing back in the day, <laughs> like Impact back in the day. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And he's also in every show too, so it's not like they're paying him every match that he has, which is every five months. Like he's paying, he's getting paid by the appearance here, and that's quite. I'm honestly glad it just stopped snowing. Honestly, it stops what? It stops snowing. Oh my god, the winter's coming! The winter's coming. Yeah, that it was snowing for quite a while, even into the early months of the summer, but uh, no longer. Um, we didn't really get it. We we kind of talked about this last week, but we now officially kind of know, I guess, per Dave Meltzer, which take it for what it's worth, because he's good friends with Tony Khan. So he might have just said this to throw people off. Page and Omega apparently offer all out. I think that is a mistake, personally. I'm not saying it's the death of the feud. Could they go back to it and it could still be a big moment at full gear? Absolutely. I mean, it could be even bigger than it was at all out. I just feel like he's so hot right now that he might not even be on the show at all, reportedly. Which I think is even a bigger mistake. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. A big reason why I bought tickets to All Out was to see Hangman Page win the World Championship and to see Hangman Page. Period. If he's not even on the show, how do you not have your top babyface on one of your biggest shows of the year when you only do four pay per views a year? I think that's a massive mistake, personally. Oh, I mean, if <laughs> this might be the next wrestling hill I'll die on, I, I just yeah, I hate when people like. You just don't like long-term storytelling. They're gonna keep like just <laughs> shut the fuck now. up. It's hot now, especially after they did what after they did la- what they did last night. I feel like they have like if they don't do it now, he just looks like a loser. Yeah, he just looks like, I, yeah. I just and I was like, oh well, they're just building it up that he's a loser. Like, dude, it's hot now. The crowd are like literally throwing babies over this guy. Like GSM wants to throw babies when he wins. <laughs> And <laughs> exactly. I, just, I think the longer you pull it out, that just like I think the, the issue is, I think with the AW crowd, especially with Hangman, I feel like they could honestly wait two more years and they'd be like still long term storytelling. Like he's one of those people that just get away with it. But like if this was WWE, people would be crying, complaining that like like we are. They need to win this now or they're gonna be ruined because eventually you'll just move on to the next thing. But these people, I think if he waited till 2024, they would still be excited and say it was long. <laughs> well, the thing is, they would claim that. And I would say, yeah, if it was WWE, I would even be more pissed because they don't do long-term storytelling well because Vince McMahon changes his mind more than the fucking weather. I mean, he changes his mind every day. I mean, you look no further than Lex Luger. Remember they waited until WrestleMania? How well How well did that go for Luger when they put the championship on him? Oh, wait, they didn't because they changed their mind and they went with Bret Hart instead, which was the smarter choice, but he was white hot in the summer of 93. I'm not saying Adam Page is the next Lex Luger, but my fucking God, I mean, the guy if the guy is as hot as he is ever going to be right now, maybe he's going to be as hot in six months, but literally what is gained from doing it three months from after All Out? Does it prolong Omega's reign? Cool, but for, who cares, though? It's not like he's going to break a record. I mean, I guess he might break yeah. Moxley's record, but dude, I don't know. Just like, just do it. I don't know. I just feel like All Out's the place to do it. To not have Page on the pay per view at all, I think is a mistake. People still trying to tell me, oh, but 
Punk and Brian are going to overshadow him. You know, we've talked about this before, and here's the fucking solution. You already came up with the solution. You're going to have Punk debut on that Chicago show at Rampage. They will. I mean, there's not even a doubt in my mind. It's not even like, will they? They will. There's no way that they're doing that show, sold out that arena, and they don't have CM Punk there. They will throw babies from the top of the frickin' rafters if CM Punk does not show up at the, not the Allstate Arena, but the United Center in Chicago. Clearly, he will be there. Clearly, they're debuting him early because he's going to have a match at the pay-per-view. CM Punk versus whoever he's facing, unless it's for the title, which it absolutely should not be, and I don't think it would be anyway, is not headlining All Out. It shouldn't headline All Out. So then what do you do as the main event? Omega and Christian, who's now the number one contender? I tweeted this earlier. I love Christian. I think the run he's had so far in AEW has been great. I think he's had a lot of good matches. He's been booked as perfectly as he probably should be. But that's not the main event, dude. You know he's not going to win. That's why Omega... Why do you think Omega, Pac, and Cassidy... It was a much better match than I thought it would be, to be honest with you. But why do you think they didn't close the show? Because everyone knew Omega was fucking winning. It it wasn't even a, a question. We know Christian's not winning, so why would you have to go on last? I honestly think people might boo Christian because he's not Hangman Page and it puts him in a bad position. So I just really think it's a bad idea all around. I would do Cage and Omega on Rampage next week. They're not doing it on Dynamite, obviously, because... I mean, Maybe they'll do it at the Chicago Rampage because it's already sold out. I don't know. Maybe that's what they could do. Either way, dude, I really think they're making a big mistake by not doing Page and Omega now. Why even start the build and tease people and fucking blue ball them if they're not going to do the title change of the pay-per-view coming up in less than a month? I, I honestly have no idea. I think, it's like you said, like I'm agreeing with you. I think it's a huge mistake. The only thing that makes it a little bit different than the Luger is it's only technically be like... A couple of months, yes. Away, but still, it's like... But anything can change at this point, time. though. Fans are more fickle than they were 25 years ago. As soon as Punk and Brian comes in, it's Hangman Who. Like, he will not be as hot because a lot of that fanfare is going to be going to those guys. Yeah. AEW fans, they like to pretend they're all holier than thou. They're no different than any fan of WWE or any other company. They will fucking turn on people. I mean, people were shitting on Moxley after he won the fucking title, and people wanted him to. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It happens with literally everybody. Everybody. It happened with McIntyre. It happened with Moxley. It's already happened with Omega. And for different reasons. I know, like, you don't like the Elite shit. I totally get that. You weren't sitting here clamoring for an Omega title win, so it's a little different. I don't know, dude. Just put the fucking belt on him and get over with. I'm not even saying to do it next week, but, like, All Out is the place to do it. I know the Arthur Ashe Stadium show has more people in it. I may have brought this up to you last week. But I feel like it's not even full gear. I think they might do Christian Omega at All Out, which is a pay-per-view, and then do the title change with Paige and Omega in New York City, which isn't a terrible idea, and that might be why they're doing the feud now and not starting it up. Because like to do a three-week feud after All Out would be a joke, so they kind of have to do it a little bit now. I don't know. I, I don't even like Maybe I'm just biased because I'm going to be at All Out and I just want to see it live, but... I just feel like that's the place to do it personally. And also, especially with the COVID shit, imagine if we have All Out, but we don't have that Arthur Ashe Stadium show because the Delta. I mean, how fucking dumb would that be? I mean, that wouldn't be their fault, but still. <laughs> I mean, I Could think you we're just uh, at the end of the day, you need to do it at All Out. I just, I just, I don't, like the thing is maybe in their thought process, which I mean, I don't think it's a good one. Maybe their thought process is we'll do him and. Omega or Omega and Christian at All Out. Maybe, like you said, they will boo Christian and then they can kind of turn him heel and then do him and Jungle Boy. But I don't even think it's worth it at that point. Like you said, like 
you the, everyone's everyone's clamoring for that match and they want that to happen. So why are you gonna why are you gonna like not do it? I just don't understand. I don't like the oh it's a long term storytelling. They're gonna tell more stories about it. like no do it now. It's hot. It's hot now. Do it. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I don't understand why people are like well I, like no like it's not even like Omega's doing anything of greatness right now. It's not like he has like all these great like feuds like lined up. It's it, it, like the Christian one, okay, but like if he's gonna feud with Brian or Punk, he's gonna lose the belt, and then we're never gonna see Page win that thing. Maybe in twenty twenty four when you're still creaming your pants about it, he will. But at that point, who cares? I don't know. I think they made a massive mistake, dude, by even pretending to build to Page and Omega at all out. I don't think they even should have even put that thought in people's heads because it's like it's giving them the idea that it's gonna happen there, and then it doesn't. So then it's like, I don't care who comes after this. You know what I mean? It's like teasing a feud and then not even, not doing it when you should. Because it doesn't matter if it's Christian. It doesn't matter if it's honestly anyone else for the most part. People will reject it. And they're just, they're not going to be positive towards the match because they know Omega's going to win. I mean, why delay it when the the Christian match is not in doubt? Maybe, Maybe Paige knocks off Christian to become the number one contender. Maybe. That's what I would like to say on like Rampage or on Dynamite. But I don't think they're going in that direction. I just think they're not even. Have... I don't think. I don't think they're going that direction. No, they haven't even. Yeah, Cage and Page haven't even crossed paths. So, um, I don't know. I'm just. I'm not a fan. I know it's the long term storytelling shit, but I don't know, dude. I just feel like if the reaction is tamer than it should be, come full gear or whenever they do it. I blame the company. And I, we don't know that for a fact. I'm just I'm just thinking, in my opinion, I think it's dumb to do now. Maybe I'll eat my words in two or three months. I just don't think that's a smart idea. But I just think, like, I just, he's hot now. Like, yeah, they can build him up again, but, like, they were teased. Like you said, it's not even like he's hot now and they're just not doing it. Like, hot now and they've, like, been building it up that they're going to feud it all out and he's going to win the belt. Then he's not going to be there. And then, were they going to build him up again or just give him a random title match? He's going to win it? I just... I feel like all the cards on the deck, literally the top, the top card in the deck is all out, and they're just going to knock the castle down and rebuild it again. Like, and exactly. maybe they, maybe they're not doing it because it's not going to be the main event. Maybe they'll do Punk and whoever. I mean, I don't really know who you do, but it just it, it to me it makes no sense. But I don't know. But how many times can you knock him down of a couple pegs? Because they did that when he lost to Brian Cage a couple months ago. And I thought that was okay. I defended that, but I don't know if I can defend this. Because the more he gets beat down, if there's not a payoff soon, he will look like a loser. If the payoff comes in three months, it's like, all right, but he's a loser, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, don't, I feel like if you wait too long, people will just not care. It's like, all right, I'm already yeah, on to the next thing. I think, I think with their audience, I don't think they care. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why people are defending. It's like, oh, it's going to be like more creative storytelling. Like, they, no. <laughs> like, plenty of people that have lost a ton and they're still behind them. They don't, like, have to, like, like. No, I agree. Friend, I agree. Not their biggest fan, but they've lost so many times and never won anything. And people still going crazy for them and you can say the same thing about like Orange Cassidy like he's not really he beat Jericho and it went absolutely nowhere but he hasn't really won anything of points people still cheer him and stuff it just I just think it just I I, he should want it all out and if I bought tickets to go to all out and that was the sole reason I was going and he wasn't there I'd be fucking pissed well I know (laughs) obviously I mean that's on me and other people for thinking that it would happen there because it wasn't actually like if they, they confirmed the match and then they changed it for non-injury related reasons or whatever, then I think I would have more of a right to be pissed. They didn't actually 
confirm the match at all, and we're just assuming they, they would do it. They just it for weeks. They basically yeah. say that's the going, and then pull the rug out. Yeah, and then they said, hey, all out sold out? All right, let's go in a different direction instead. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Maybe we have to go to the Arthur Ashe show if he's wrestling. Honestly, I might. I might have to. We'll, we'll think about it. I'm not really sure. I'm, if they if they were to do it there and that's not sold out yet because it fits more people, I might have to bro- I might have to buy tickets. I might have to have you drive from Massachusetts and I can drive us to uh, New York City so we can go see it in person because I I don't know if I can miss that <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't know if I can miss that either honestly. Yeah, if it's in like Fiji or something, I won't go. But if it's in fucking New York and it's not that far <laughs> from us, then uh, I might consider making the trip. So we'll see. We'll discuss it as it comes along. Um, last two things for me, Mr. Morrisot, before I let you go. The in-ring debut last night of Malachi Black in the main event of Dynamite knocking off Cody Rhodes literally and figuratively with a black mask kick, pinning him by stepping on him, five-minute squash, essentially. This was exactly what it was supposed to be. I thought this was perfect. I was not expecting for Malachi to get the Brody Lee treatment over Cody Rhodes from last year, but that's exactly what happened. Um, the fake retirement shit was dumb because we know he's actually not retiring, but... You know, Cody will be back, and they'll have another match, and blah, blah, blah. But, hey, you know what? If you want to make a star on day one, and that's to say that he wasn't a star already, but to really make someone look like a threat in one day, this is how you fucking do it. So I I loved everything about this personally, but what were your two cents? I liked it, but in the back of my head, I'm just like, Cody's going to come back and get his win back, and then it won't mean as much. It's like, don't really think again. I hope hope that doesn't happen. I mean, once we hit the dog collar again and Cody wins, I'm going to be like, what the fuck? Dog collar. Get the dog collar out again and do that again. (laughs) But uh, I think it's good. I just, like, so yeah, it's like a big win for him, like Cody's big name. I just like, what do you do now with him? That's the problem. It's like, he wins, kills Cody. Okay, cool. But like, what do you do with him now? Um... Well, this is what well, this is what we were discussing. We had the most directionless heel in the world, Miro, for a long time, and now you have another heel that you can kind of use now that he's beaten Cody. I would say Darby if Darby was free, but if he's doing if they're doing him and Allen or Allen and Punk, which is probably the most likely thing, because Moxley, I think, it might be facing someone from New Japan on that show. I know he's not the biggest star in the company, but I think Eddie Kingston would be fine. I mean, he's a very popular guy. He's a good babyface. He's not like Joey Janela. I think Eddie Kingston would be a good opponent for him at All Out or be around All. He doesn't have to be at the show, but I think he probably should be. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I guess you could do him and Kingston in the interim, um, and then that can lead into him and Moxley or someone like that. Yeah, him and him and yeah, Moxley. <laughs> cool it, Justin. Oh my God! Sorry, he hasn't had a hernia yet. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but, no, he, uh, it was annoying when he did it with uh, Nick FNG. Like, uh, listen, I love Justin Roberts, but that was awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, uh, Eddie Kingston, any other names come to mind? Because everyone else kind of feels locked up. Hey, Adam Page, if he's not facing Kenny Omega, what about that? And then Page can lose another match. <laughs> if Adam Page loses clean as a sheet to Malachi Black, I literally might not watch Dynamite ever again. <laughs> that would literally be the AEW equivalent to Karrion Cross and Keith Lee putting two guys who needs win who need wins against each other and then just do 50-50 booking. That's what they would do. I mean, AEW wouldn't do that, but like that would be the equivalent if that was to happen. So I just I'm that still like mind-boggled if they don't do this at all. If he's not even on the sh- imagine not even on the show, <laughs> like you said, he's the most popular babyface, and they're not gonna like on the show at all. Like that'd be. He's the most and popular they, star in the entire company. Let's face it, even face or heel. I just, I, I really wish they like 
like treaded light with like the drinking stuff. Like I don't really love like the like the putsy drunk thing. Like yeah, they haven't done that too much though. I will say that. Yeah, it was like last week, the week before, he like came out with like a drink in his hand. It's just like we get it, you drink, move on. <laughs> I don't know. The cowboy shit worked, so like I, I'm more on that end. But if he's not at all out, I mean, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I like realistically, if he's not doing the like at this point, if he's not doing the Kenny stuff, like I really don't know what you do with him at this point. Unfortunately, like what else do you do with him? Who Hangman Page? Yeah, like maybe him and Miro, but like he's better than that. Miro. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> thanks. Imagine going for the TNT title after being on the cusp of winning the AEW World Title. Yeah, no way. The title that hasn't been seen on the show in over a month before, aside from you know, aside from last night. He beat Shotty Lee. Come on. <laughs> I will say I like Britt and Ve- Red Velvet, but it came really out of nowhere, and I love how uh, Red Velvet said she was twenty-two and four, and she hasn't been on Dynamite and like all here. I know. That segment was not... She was like, oh, I was an enhancement talent when you beat me. I was like, eh, keep the inside baseball terms to a minimum, please. Eh, I don't mind that. I don't mind that as much. I don't, I mean, I don't was, like it when John Cena does it. I don't like it when anyone does it. Uh, well, I don't mind when they said... Like, she was a job... She was a job girl. What do you expect? She but, was. Uh, we don't have to use the inside baseball shit. I also don't shit. like how, like, they, like, make Britt Baker kind of a face, and then, like, she kind of, like, talks like a heel and does yeah. heel stuff. And she like panders to the crowd. Like, be one or the other, honey. She's yeah, like no, I agree. Cody. She's being like Cody like a year ago when he like panders <laughs> to the crowd, being be an absolute heel in his matches. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, thankfully, Red Velvet's the perfect person for this position because you know whoever she Brit faces in her hometown is getting booed, and it's not like a whole lot of people care about her. Any, I'm on. You know what? Honestly, dude, I'm a little surprised. I, I think they probably should have done Red Velvet as the, as the first opponent for Brit as champion, and then Nyla Rose. Because she's a heel, and people cheered Brit anyway, so why didn't they just do that match in Pittsburgh as opposed to Red Velvet no one really gives a shit about for the most part, so if she gets booed, who cares? But, like, you would think if they want people to get behind her because she is a face, then why wouldn't they just put Nyla Rose in that spot instead and then switch it out? Maybe they just weren't thinking, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Yeah, but it looks like they're building up Chris Statlander for a shot. I know you're not, that's not your favorite wrestler, but, you know, she might be getting a shot. Um couple other people. Ty Conti, maybe at some point. Ty Conti, Britt Baker, what about that? She needs to be on Dynamite before I care about her again. Hey, maybe she'll get her back on Dynamite one of these days. Um, couple more Where things. Witness protection? I haven't seen her in like a <laughs> three months. She's dark the last couple of weeks, so it's something, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I agree, though. If it ain't Dynamite, it doesn't matter because not everyone watches those shows. I, I totally agree with that mentality. So that's why I hate when like people like tout their record. Like, oh, they haven't lost a match all year. They haven't been on Dynamite all year. Title shot for Lee Johnson. He hasn't been on Dynamite in three months, though. So Honestly, he probably hasn't been on Dynamite all year. I couldn't even tell you last time I saw him. Well, he was, he was there for the Cody and, and Factory feud, but other than that, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember he took the flat bump on the stage. Yep, 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 yep. Cornette hated that. Stupidest, stupidest thing he's ever seen. <laughs> Pretty dumb. Oh, uh, thoughts on the passing of Bobby Eaton? Oh, I was telling you earlier, I probably know more Midnight Express history and Mid-Cell stuff than I know anything <laughs> the last 20 years of me watching wrestling. I mean, having, I, the worst part is like once I started really getting into it is when the network went over to Peacock. So they don't really have, or yeah. maybe they do, but it's a lot more harder to find everything out. Um, but I, I definitely want to go back and watch some old matches and stuff like that. I've seen a ton of like the 
the promos and stuff that Cornette used to cut with them, and it just seemed like they were legitimate heels and like actually got heat. And I mean, that was back in the day when heels actually had heat. So, um, I mean, if back in the day, if, if MJF was doing what he did last night, someone would have cut him in the front row. So yeah, uh, nowadays mm-hmm. it's just not like that. But I love that old history stuff and just kind of the old business stuff. Yeah, passed at 62, really young. And by all accounts, he was a great guy as well. Very well liked. The uh, timeline's been blown up all day from Regal, Joe, fans. Uh, WWE put out a statement earlier. I mean, a lot of people, uh, very fond, obviously, for very you know justifiably you know, accurate reasons, very fond of uh, Bobby Eaton. So that, that's a shame that he passed. I guess he was hospitalized recently for, like, breaking his hip or something like that. So that must have what led to it, but... uh. Just a shame. I don't think the Midnight Express is in the WWE Hall of Fame. I know the Rock and Roll Express is. I don't, I don't think the Midnight Express is, which is honestly shocking. They like to induct everybody. Yeah. I might be wrong. I, I don't know. I think it, maybe it's an issue with Cornette. I don't know. But hey, fucking Cornette was there when he inducted Rock and Roll, though. Yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe they don't want him now after that NWA comment from a couple of years ago. It's Honestly, it's, I feel like they saved some people for like the pot, like post-death kind of they do (laughs) that's gonna be the case with like demolition for example unfortunately which is terrible but they do that (laughs) i mean it's so bad they do that a lot yeah but at any rate yeah that's a shame uh one last thing and i'll let you go for sure this time but breaking news per fightful they've learned that a contract of a certain superstar in nxt is up soon it's not adam i mean in addition adam cole it's uh pete dunn pete dunn's deal is up soon i feel like with him though I don't know, I'm a lot less likely to think that he's on his way out. I have no reason to think that he would leave. I mean, he could. I'm not saying he won't, but I don't know. He feels like a guy to me. Not that they would give him more of a chance in the main roster than than Adam Cole. I don't know. I just feel like there's more for, for Dunn to do. Like, him and Joe still has to happen. He can be NXT champion. He's only really been like a mid-card guy in NXT so far. I feel like he hasn't hit his peak yet a lot like Cole did. Like, Cole's already peaked. He's had all of his accolades. He's won everything. Done. Even if he doesn't go to the main roster, I just feel like he would stick around in NXT. If these, if both Cole and Dunn leave, that does not speak well to NXT or the main roster at all. I mean, they haven't really had a lot of good, like a lot of huge pickups in recent years. And you know, a few years ago, we would say, "Oh, they they signed Keith Lee. Oh, they signed Matt Riddle. Blah blah blah. They signed this guy." We haven't gotten that in a long time. So if people are on their way out, like voluntarily, that's not good. But your thoughts on uh, Pete Dunn potentially? Um, you know, his contract being up, do you see him leaving? Would you want to see him leave? I think for me, Cole at least has some storyline sense to be in AEW. His girlfriend works there, but even putting that aside, um, you know, the whole elite shit, Pete Dunn, I could see in AEW, but he doesn't scream to me like, oh, there's all these, like, he's a great wrestler, but I don't know. I just don't have the same sense like him in AEW would make as much sense as him being in WWE or NXT or whatever. Yeah, I'm not really sure, but, uh. I don't think he'll leave. I think, he, like you said, he does have more traction. I, I wouldn't leave if I was him. I think he has a lot of uh, things to do. He's, still, he's seemingly starting to get pushed on NXT uh, now. Like, before they kind of brought him over to do some matches, it seems like he's starting to get his footing. I uh, like him with Ridge and uh, Oni. Um, I, I could be a little premature to leave. I think he needs... I just don't think he'd fit in with a, like he. I think he's a great wrestler and he'd fit in. Just another guy, just like adding to the top. It's like... It's just it would start getting the WWE like stockpiling. They were yeah. just starting all these guys just to sign them when there's really nothing to do with them. Yeah, I just I don't know. Cole at least you can make some story some storyline reasons up for it. Like I said, because he has history with all the elite guys. 
Pete Dunn doesn't really have history with anyone there, and he would be a good get for them. But honestly, it's a lot like the Buddy Murphy situation. I think Dunn is more of a star than Murphy was, but Murphy's another guy. Like I just feel like if they brought him in, he would be the definition of picking up wins on elevation. I mean, he would be fed to the TNT champion, and then I think that would be a ceiling. He's not a main event guy. So, I mean, Pete Dunne could be, but I don't know. It would just be stockpiling at that point. I just, I don't know. Maybe he goes back to England or something. I don't know if he would go anywhere else. He's a guy where I feel like, not, not, I'm not him, so I'm not telling him what to do, but like I feel like him resigning would be the better option. Stick around in NXT, try his hand out on the main roster, see what they have to offer there. Cole, I feel, is fucking doomed. I mean, Dunn might have a better track record. I don't know, but I just feel like he's... My guess is he's not leaving, but Adam Cole will. That's my prediction. What about you? I don't think Dunn will leave. I think Cole will leave, but... You don't think he should, though? I don't think he should. I think he should... If they so what I think I mean I'm not him I'll pull it to some I'm not him but if I was him I would go to them and say you want to resign me but I mean I'm assuming they're going to give him good money I want a one year deal and I want to be on SmackDown I think that's the best chance he has to flourish to be something doesn't work out next year he can and then show up at all out next year I just I think should at least give it a chance. Yeah. He has a ton of leverage. Um, he The demands, those demands aren't met, then I guess he can walk, but I would go for a one-year deal, SmackDown. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but, uh, and I would make sure there's no 30-day compete, so then if he does get released, he could show up at all next year, so that's what I ideally would want him to do. Um, like, he does have all the leverage. I mean, he could ask for a ton of money, I think, I mean, Triple H probably won't let him go. Vince probably sees him as a vanilla midget, so it wouldn't really matter. But <laughs> he has all the leverage in this situation. WWE has none, so That's I like think when, he, yeah. he can make demands that most people can't. That's like when Rey Mysterio resigned a couple of years ago. Um, he signed an 18... like I don't think it was an 18-month deal. It might have been like a two-year deal or a three-year deal or whatever. But he had an out clause. Like He could leave a year in if he wanted to. I think a lot of I don't a lot of these people just don't have leverage because they just don't see AEW as competition. Triple H, I'm sure, does. So I think that he might work it into a deal. Maybe if he could if he could orchestrate that somehow. But I think an out clause, like you said, something like that would be perfect. Where it's like, listen, if I don't like this and I I could leave after a year, then I I think actually that's what the that's what the elite would have done. I think they revealed that. I think the idea was that they would have come in with an out clause. And they could leave after a year if they feel they weren't booked properly. But by that point, their their stock would have been lower, and I don't think AEW would have become a thing at that point. So they made the right choice, obviously. But um, yeah, no, I think I think Dunn will stay. I think Cole might leave. I want to see him give it a shot, but at this point, I just don't have any faith. It's not even minimal faith. I just have no faith after the Carrion debut and the shit they're doing with him and Keith Lee. It just just pack it up and go elsewhere, buddy. That's what I would say to that. Yeah, but don't you think it's a little bit different? Because at least he can talk with Keith Lee and Cross. They're kind of, not one-dimensional, but, like, Cole literally has everything but the size. Like, he's basically like AJ Styles, I consider him. Like, he can work, he can talk. He just doesn't really have the size. I I think he has to give it a chance, but... Yeah, he could talk, but the problem is that, like you said, he doesn't have the size. Carrion does, and because... The thing, though, the thing is, though, Carrion, it's not that he can't talk. It's just, I think Carrion... I, honestly, I don't know if we're in the minority on this, but I really like Carrion. I don't know. Again, there's a lot of people that don't. 
I think he gives off just looking at him, especially with Scarlet, a star vibe. So while Vince doesn't take one look at Cross and have to excuse himself to go to the bathroom afterward and immediately give him a push on Raw, then what does that say about Adam Cole? Like, I feel like even before Cole has a chance to talk, then I don't think he'll care. Like, I think perception is everything with him. That That's the thing. I know he could talk, but like... So can Elias, and I mean that's how far he went. And Elias is a different story. I realize that. I don't, I don't think. I don't think to Vince it really matters how good of a wrestler you are per se. It's that larger than life shit. And it may have worked with other people in the past, like an AJ. But this is also a seventy-six-year-old Vince and not sixty-nine-year-old Vince. If that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it's long-term story- storytelling with Karen and <laughs> just I'll wait it out. Long-term story- it's long-term storytelling, Jesus. I'm just waiting. That, that's, you, that's your out for everything. It's long-term storytelling. Long-term? That's going to be my new out. Yeah, that's the Nikki Ash stuff, long-term storytelling. You got to let it flush out a little bit. The stuff with Keithley and Karrion, dude, was not 50-50 booking. It's a long-term storytelling. They're going to have a third match in six years at WrestleMania, and then they're going to be like, listen, why did you complain back in August of 2021? It was long-term storytelling. Exactly. See? You're starting to learn. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is that they told Al- Alistair Black was on Talk as Jericho yesterday, and Paul Heyman told them that. And I'm sure Heyman actually believed that because he was writing at the time. But they were doing long term storytelling with him and Murphy, which I don't. I think that's why Murphy never beat Black was because they were going to go back to it. He literally told Alistair Black like four or five years down the road at WrestleMania, and literally a year later, neither of those guys are employed by that company. So like, <laughs> it's like I think, I think the thing is like. AEW doesn't have that issue, but it's a different story with them. I'm just saying as, as far as WWE goes. The thing is, I think Heyman probably thought that, but not that he's an idiot, but Black should have thought, like, there's no chance. It's like, Heyman's so, con- unfortunately, so controversial. And I, I like his mentality, but you have to realize, like, this guy's been booted from so many, like, booking committees and, like, head writer jobs for being kind of, like, butting heads with Vince that it would never have flushed out to that point. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, he's also one of those guys that's going to tell you what you want to hear, too, so it's not like you would say otherwise. <laughs> I can't say I'm overly surprised. That's the uh, the Paul Heyman way of doing things. But Wait, you think Paul Heyman told a lie? Wow. <laughs> you think Ric Flair told or no, Jake Roberts told a lie? Wow. That's that's. I mean, that's like saying cats, cats meow and dogs bark. Paul Heyman told a lie? water is wet what else is new uh this has been great mr marceau just a plethora of topics here today again no pay-per-view nothing to review aside from the regular shows and we still had a uh a bunch of shit to talk about i'm sure next week will be no different especially as we head into SummerSlam coming up not next weekend but the weekend after that which i'm overly anticipating assume it even happens let's all get vaccinated and wear our fucking masks so we don't have to deal with this shit but uh who knows at this point i i'm not as i'm not 100 sure um, but at any rate, Mr. Marceau, this has been awesome. I look forward to the next one next week here on the show. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com. Uh, we're also on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Podcast. You can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, never miss an episode. Um, I look forward to the next one, Mr. Marceau. Have an awesome one, and I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later.